Here's Johnny. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Do we sound different? It is good sound quality on this call. Something is askew. Something, no, no, I was going to say something evil this way comes. That's <laughs> not really, that's not it. Something Gregory this ah, way comes. yes. Greg's in New York. I'm in New York. Woo! Live. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, this is quite surreal, Tristan. The whole it really is thing is yeah, it's very weird. It is <laughs> context uh, for our friends of the show. I, had, uh, I was invited on a, uh, a work trip for a conference here by our good friends at Snap Inc. It's a plug for them, free yeah. plug. Get snapping people. Get snapped. Um, yeah, and it's for an ad. It's called Ad Week. It's a conference here in New York. Starts on Monday. Mm. Ad, uh, uh, short for advertising. Yes, mm. which is the industry of, in which we work. Mm. So what better opportunity to also do a live pod yeah. from Tristan's lovely abode here. We've we've uh, taken over the lounge room and Ara has been relegated to the bedroom with Correct. little Seymour. We had thought that she'd sit and watch. Yeah, she's not as interested. As a fan. <laughs> I asked if she wanted to be mic'd up and she she's was not like, interested. Mate, no, just no. hurry up. I have to go stand over here now. <laughs> <laughs> but Seymour's here. Is he? Oh, no, she's taking him no, too. No, she's taking him too. We're here. But Greg's here. How about that? That's yeah. something. It is something. It is something. And we're having Modelo's. How, when was the last time I got to drink on the pod? Yeah, this is Greg's first beer pod mm-hmm. for quite some time. I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait till we get about halfway through this thing. Um, although we should also say that it is a bit of a Keep double-edged going. sword. <laughs> Greg's got access to the buttons. That's Keep the going. other thing. First beer pod <laughs> and button pod in the same. <laughs> Strap yourselves in, folks. Um, mm, risky. <laughs> but, yeah, the double-edged sword of this New York trip is that Greg won't be able to record next week's episode on schedule. I'll be in transit. He'll be in transit. So, special episode, and I'm saying it now, so she has to commit. Wife of the show... Ara will be stepping in um, to fill the big shoes of Greg and we'll be covering Hocus Pocus. The medium size shoes. <laughs> she does have a, a large foot. She has a tiny foot. Oh, Sometimes I see her shoes at the house and I just kind of giggle to myself. Oh, I thought she had big feet. Well, maybe they are. I don't maybe know. I was They're just looking at your half shoes. the size of mine. <laughs> maybe I was looking at your shoes and I her thought they were Her shoes fit inside my shoes. Oh, okay. It's Carol that has big feet. Maybe. I thought they both did. Maybe, I, I, all women have tiny feet to me. Carol's got pretty big feet, man. They're like size nine. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's impressive. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I think Ara's like seven or something. Okay. Anyway, enough about feet. Yes, but that means, so we will resume regular scheduled programming. So we're not skipping any of the ones we, any of the Halloween movies we had in our little um, list that you can find on the gram. Just a little extra just, spook. Yeah, we're just going to wedge Hocus Pocus in there before Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Very exciting. We had grand plans of doing two this weekend, then we realised... That's not really feasible time-wise. It's like Greg's in New York. You don't want to spend his whole time in my lounge room. Yeah. I'm going to go out there and eat pizza. Yeah. There's a long line for the pizza out the front. There's a lot of lines. There's yeah, a lot of lines line for up. things. People are very willing to line up for things here, I've noticed. 
And I am not. Good for them. Yeah, good for them. What a town. And it's sunny. Mm. Big shout out to other wife of the show, Carol, for taking care of the kids while I get to go over and have fun and professional fun mm. and pod fun. Mm. Most of the forms of fun. The three major categories of fun. Mm. Yeah. All rolled into one. Minus the wife fun, but that's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Wife fun. <laughs> okay. Dusty. Dusty. Oh, and look, Dewey. also, <laughs> worth, worth noting, I did fly in last night. Yeah. So bear with my brain as it navigates words. <laughs> so just to make it easy on us, we're just doing this little film called The Shining. <laughs> Pressure's on. It's a big movie. A lot has been said about this movie. We will surely touch on things that have been discussed, but hopefully we bring a different perspective as, you know, not official film critics, but as pop culture historians. We can we can poke around in some new areas perhaps. Keep going. And we can have wow. these buttons, you know, peppered <laughs> in, which others probably wouldn't have had this exact combination of sounds. That's true. I highly doubt any podcast has ever covered The Shining and had sound bites from JCVD. Mm. And Frank Dukes. Oh, Owen Wilson. Maybe, maybe Owen Wilson. Maybe Owen Wilson. Certainly not um, Charlie Wilson. Really? Oh, we've got Owen Wilson and Charlie Wilson. Yes, the Wilson board. Huh. What else can we get on there? The other Wilson, Wilson, the neighbour. Yeah. And my basketball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and the, the volleyball. From, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Various balls. Yeah, various balls. Hey, uh... Week three of uh, Halloween Spectacular. Yeah. You feeling spooky yet? I'm feeling very spooky. Some pumpkins out there. There are some pumpkins, yeah. Well, I'm pointing out the window. It's a good point. You're in Halloween town now. Like shit's about to get real Halloween festive. Yeah, let's play the thing. So we're very excited. We're, I guess, kind of halfway through um, our third annual Halloween Spectacular. We're hitting a classic. Uh, it turns out it's an 80s movie. I've always kind of thought of this as like a 70s kind of deal, mm-hmm. but I guess the first first year of the next decade is really it's just It really the last belongs decade. to the last, yeah. yeah. Uh, but 1980, Greg, take us back. 1980, yeah. Um, not going to lie, struggling for a member, Barry. Yeah, we weren't alive, so it's hard to for natural. Yeah, yeah. You know, things happen this year, of course. Things happen every year around the world, yeah. as, as you probably know by now. Um, yeah, apparently, yeah. Now, we're in New York, so I've picked a New York-specific event. Okay. And we are in Halloween. This isn't really spooky. It's just probably a. It's probably just a little bit. John Lennon died. <laughs> I'm not laughing. <laughs> it's, just sad, it's sad. It's, you know, it's a murder. It's, uh, it's very sad. I, well, speaking of New York... When I first came to New York, that was the first place I went. It was up to the Dakota building and oh, then wow. to the Strawberry Fields little part of Central Park. Yeah, well, f- friends of the show, if you didn't know by now, Tristan is a huge John Lennon fan. I'm a Beatleman. He's a Beatleman. Well, after watching uh, the Get Back documentary, I have gra- – I still like – You graduated, didn't you, to George? I kind of have – no, I, no, George has been simmering for a while. Ah, okay. Like he's the best human, I think, of the bunch. But uh, I got a lot more respect for Paul now okay. as an adult. I, I haven't heard younger, this before. I just thought he was a nerd and like what a like just relaxed man, kind of like Leonardo in the Ninja Turtles or something, right? right? It's like yeah, I, was, a, I want Raphael. A, bit of a square. Yeah, and like Raphael and John. Or Ray Lennon. Romano. Le, yeah, lost a sigh. 
<laughs> Raphael is the John Lennon of the of the Turtles, I suppose. I've never thought of that before. Does that make so splinters like George Martin, maybe? Oh no, or I don't Phil know. Phil Spector. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's bad news. <laughs> Did Splinter go on to like kill his wife or something? That's interesting. Well, we a don't dark know. and gritty legacy sequel. Story by a splinter in time. Story by. Just came up with that story by. Um, and I've now learned as an adult that has to work with other humans and sometimes take a leadership position in doing such because creative people sometimes don't want to focus and stick to a process, etc. I respect seeing how Paul really drove that whole fucking thing. So you're saying he's the suit? Kind of, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, which I used to, you know, look down upon but now I am in. Praise of because I know that's a lot of fucking work to get creative people to fucking. Well, you got to get creative suits out there too, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So of course you know the story. Um, he was uh, shot dead at, at the Dakota where he, where he resided by uh, Jared by, Leto. Yeah, Jared Leto, aka Mark David Chapman, yeah. super fan. Yeah, what a fucking cunt. bit of a battler of a dude. Man. I, I double resent him for the murder, obviously. Yeah. Um, but also him t- he tethered himself to J.D. Salinger's Catcher in the Rye, which is a oh, favourite book of mine, and thought he was living as Holden Caulfield for calling out phonies or something. Right. He some- probably had some theories about The Shining too. Yeah. <laughs> he apparently tried to kill himself years earlier, which is really? a shame that he couldn't manage to do that. Really. Yeah. I'd trade him for, for John. Absolutely. And he went and got John Lennon's autograph earlier that day. Yeah. And then was waiting for him and then... He didn't like him saying he was bigger than Jesus or whatever. The, Is that what it was? That was one of the... Yeah. He's quite a religious guy apparently. <sighs> Terrible event. Um, yeah. I've seen Yoko Ono in New York. Have you? Yeah, I went and saw Sean Lennon's show at the Bowery Ballroom. Mm-hmm. Yoko was there. It was a great show. Is that where we were last Very, night? Very... Uh, no. We were near there. Well, it was also called Bowery. Everything on Bowery is called Bowery for some reason. Oh, it's reason. a street, is it? Yeah. Oh. Bowery. Okay, there you go. It's a street yeah. people. <laughs> Down the street from where we're sitting right now. Yeah, so yeah. that is um, that. is That That is a sad member it berry. It is a sad member berry. Not all member berries can be, you know, Viennettas. There's going to be some murders. And, um, and some murders of famous, much-loved celebrity slash yeah. pioneering musicians. Oh, man. John Lennon. A dream you dream alone is just a dream. A dream you dream together, that's reality? I can't remember. Very <laughs> I think that's actually a Yoko quote. Mm. But, you know, they're well, one and the same basically. Yeah, they, they, they. yeah. What about this film? What about, oh, wait, what about that year for films? Yeah, Greg, <laughs> Greg Ways. Greg Ways flying at me left, right and centre. Um, great year for movies too. The top ten of the box office in 1980 was really something, I tell you what. The number one film in the world was was uh, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Oh yeah, yeah. We got Nine to Five in number two. We got Stir Crazy at number three. Airplane, which we've covered at number four. Okay. Uh, Any which way you can at number five. Oh yeah, I loved that when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. This has come up before. We should do that. Is that the first one, or is Any Which Way But Loose the f- Every Which Way But Yeah, Any Which Way But Loose or Lose Loose. It's I loose. like the naming conventions of that franchise. Because I'm not, I'm not the first to say this. It's a common thing. But you know how there was that film, Now You See Me, that magician bullshit thing? No. Well, they had a sequel and it was called Now You See Me 2. It was right there, man. 
should be called Now You Don't. Now you see me, now you don't. Oh. Whereas this, every which way but loose, any which way you can, beautiful. Beautiful. And it doesn't even have to say like a every which way but loose story to tie it into the franchise. You know, it's just like give it another name. People will work it out. Yeah. Not dissimilar to The Shining and Dr. Sleep. Respect. There you go. Respect. What else we got here? Private Benjamin. Benjamin's Private's porn parody, I assume. Mm. Um, Coal Miner's Daughter, uh, porn parody of the same name, I assume. Smokey Uh, and the Bandit 2. I don't know why I'm coming up with porn parodies right now, but Smoking the Bandit? I don't know. Yeah. Friday the 13th came in at number nine. Big year for horror. Um, This is two years post-Halloween, so I guess there was a style at the time. Um, Oh, that's right. Number 10, Blues Brothers, which we've covered. How about that? Number 11, The Final Countdown. Um, I'm going beyond top 10 here, guys. Going off the reservation. Keep going. Uh, American Gigolo. Is that racist to say off the reservation? I'm not sure. Mm. Ordinary People. Not the John Legend song, but a film. Popeye. Oh. With um, with Shelley Duvall and Robin Williams, Robin Williams, but but Wendy from this movie also played Olive. Was she Oil. Olive? She's and she's perfect. She's per- she's perfect. That was one of my first notes on this movie. <laughs> it was like, of course you played Olive Oil. Like God was designing her. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's great. Ah, oh. and Robin Williams had the forearms for Popeye. Well, yeah, the hairy forearms. He's he's quite a he's quite a musk like a. Muscular man. Yeah, this has come up a couple of times. Have uh, we talked about this? Well, I don't know if we said muscular, but he is strong. Yeah, he's got he's burly, a little burly. Yeah. And um not to jump too far ahead, but he was a precasty for this very film, mm. The Shining. And that would have been interesting for the same year, both of those movies to come out, the same couple. And in one, he's trying to murder her, and the other one is, I don't know, trying to save her? hustle some spinach. He saves her from, Probably saves her from, from Brutus. Brutus, is that his name? Yeah, who played Brutus? Do you know? I can't remember. Anyway, let's keep going. We've got, keep a, lot, going. We got a lot, We've got to, talk a lot a, to talk about. There's a lot in this movie. As it I haven't out. written any notes because I knew Tristan had a few. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just basically here for this. Keep going. The Blue Lagoon, many other things, many, 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 many things. Uh, but there was one film, a little film. About a little boy and his dad and their wife, or his mother, in a little hotel. Large hotel. A large hotel, very much. A little snow. A little snow. A little film. A little crazy. Came in at number 17 called The Shining. I think it's pronounced Shining. The Shining. Shining came out in May 1980, budget of $19 million, gross box office of $47.3 million. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes scores, uh, critic score 83%, audience score 93%. Critic consensus reads as follows. Though it deviates from Stephen King's novel, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining is a chilling, <clears throat> is a chilling, often Baroque journey into baroque. madness. Great use of Baroque. I never use Baroque. I've never used it. This is why we, we are where we are <laughs> and not writing for the – oh, that's the – that doesn't tell you who wrote that. No, it? no, it's just it's – it's, it's the AI quote. Yeah. Baroque journey into madness exemplified by an unforgettable turn from Jack Nicholson. 
Was this a big movie for you, Greg? It wasn't. I mean, this is a big movie for me. It's hard to define uh, when that happened though. Yeah. I think I think this is the best I'll come up with, so let's run with it. No one else is going to know any better on this. <laughs> um, I would have been probably in my mid-20s when I – yeah, I probably, probably saw it before that, but when I really re- stood up and noticed it. Mm. Um, so, yes, it's a big – it is a big picture for me, but one that sort of came a bit later. Yeah, I yeah. Think. How about you? Similar. I think – or maybe I watched it slightly earlier, just in the film student Tristan days. And I'd, I think the first time I watched it I was a little underwhelmed, such mm. as the pretentiousness of film student Tristan. I just didn't really – I just didn't really like get it, I think. Yeah. And that expectation, I guess, maybe versus what it was. Oh, Stephen King. I, I, I just, I didn't have a, my palate was not, Ready. it's like I'm going from Ribena to red wine kind yeah. of thing, you know. I, yeah. I'm like in a fight club, that's deep, man. <laughs> I did have a similar experience and mm. especially, we'll talk probably a fair bit more about this, mm. um, Shelley Duvall, I remember just thinking, this is the yes. worst acting I've ever seen. Exactly. Let's talk about that later because i got the same, I want to talk about that. Yeah. Because I've definitely done a bit of a 180 on that. Yeah, big time. Yeah. There's, um, there's a lot of things like that in the rewatch as an adult human now that yeah. hits different. Yeah, yeah. Um, so but, I, on the same page. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one from a, you know, was this a big one for you back of the day point of view because I, it's one of those films where you almost absorb a lot of breadcrumbs of its, you know, legacy unknowingly. And then when you finally get around to watching it, you're like, oh, oh, that's what, oh. So you got like, you mm. know, the Sims, the shinning. The first mm-hmm. time I, wa- I watched the TV version of this movie, the, the you know, the TV oh, special yep, one, yep. before I watched this movie. Oh, okay. Before, before I saw that, I saw The Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors 5 where they did the shinning. And I remember because um, I was watching the, the TV movie with my cousin who was, that's why I watched most of my horror movies, I think, with that cousin. And he called it the shinning all the time, and we just yeah. called it the shinning. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And is then, that um, because you didn't want to get done for copyright? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and there were a few other like little pop cultural breadcrumbs that you know you don't know as a reference at the time, but like even little things like on South Park when you see Chef's Home, he's got artwork up that's not dissimilar to Scatman's taste in art. Oh, <laughs> which I always thought was awesome. And, That's um, a neat, nice little nod. Yeah, and 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 the piece de resistance. Scatman being the um the, sh- the chef. Yeah, yeah. Who's also a chef? Oh, that's a good point. Oh, oh I didn't even think of that. Oh. But you know, at the top of the heap of all these things is a little song uh, that goes by the name of his Johnny, which you may recall. Oh, I thought you were gonna play Scatman. <laughs> yeah. WDs in the base, I'm going like. <laughs> Here's Johnny. This was. This was. And even the video clip was like pretty yeah, crazy for the time. Wasn't it? Yeah. CGI. What year did this come out? 90. Point. Five. Uh, this was by Hocus Pocus, just to add another layer to it. I was I was feeling that. Oh, sorry. But we don't have time, do <laughs> we? We don't have time. Can we put it on later? Sure. 
Can we like? Can we go find a DJ and request it? Yeah. <laughs> but when that song came out, I had no idea that that was from a movie. I just thought that was like some songwriter came up with that. Yeah, I didn't have any concept of sampling at that point. You know, it's I was an idiot. I was young and stupid. You were the opposite of a stoot. I can't press a stoot. Distute? <laughs> is that a thing? Unstoot. Yes. <laughs> I guess. Why am I staring off <laughs> contemplating this the middle madness? Distance. Um, but, you know, yeah, net, net, uh, it grew. It's, it's, it's over time. Yeah, it grew. The blood as, level rose. As I grew a brain, I saw the that tapestry. this movie was fucking pretty great. But in saying that, I hadn't watched it in a long time. Mm. So maybe like 10 years or something. So it was prime yeah. for a little rewatch. Yeah. Um, should I get into the origin story? Please do. Thanks, Aki. <laughs> origin story. I haven't lost it. I haven't lost it. The button skills. You're are. all over. You see this guy. This is like watching Picasso paint. It's like watching David Guetta press <laughs> buttons. <laughs> exactly. It's like watching Hocus Pocus play. Here's Johnny. <laughs> That's a bit Hocus Pocusy. Yeah. Bam, 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 at your bam, bam. <laughs> Here's Oki. Yeah, there you go. Oh, Oki's going to love that. Um, Maybe he can send us less hate mail. <laughs> send him a bit of love. All right, so this film is based on a book, Gregory. Not a novella, but a full-length book. Keep going. Um, by Stephen King. And I don't think ah. I'm blowing anyone's mind with that. Everyone knows this. Everyone knows this, but let's, let's just unpack it a little bit because it's mm-hmm. the origin story of the book itself is interesting because – the book that this movie is based on is based on King's own experience in murdering his wife and child. No. Oh. It, um, he had just, it was 1977 when this book came out, so a couple of years prior to that, 74 or something. He had written Salem's Lot and, you know, like all his books are based in Maine. He was from Maine and he's mm. like an idiot. He's a Maine man. He's a Maine man through and through. In saying that, he he saw an opportunity to get out of the main box mm. and just go open up, his mind a bit. State. Go upstate. Oh, so he, he went out to Colorado, down to Colorado. Yeah, over Colorado way. Where is that from Maine? No West. one knows. No way of knowing. Um, <laughs> 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 he wanted to spend. He wanted to get out of Maine, and he wanted to spend a year away so that his next novel would be a little different, new environment, new stimulus, you know. And um, he opened an atlas, which was the style at the time. There was no Google Earth. Mm. Um, I of loved, the US. I loved an atlas. That was exciting, wasn't it? Did you have an atlas? Oh, I was loved I it. must have. Loved I an mean, atlas. There was definitely one at the school. Yeah. Keep, um, keep going. But yeah, he opened it up, um, randomly pointed to a location which happened, which happened, happened to, to be, be Queens. <laughs> and he went to find a wife. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wait, wrong with The me. rest is history. No, Boulder, Colorado. Ah, yes. And um, on October 30, Halloween Eve, spicy. Pumpkin uh, spicy. <laughs> In 1974, him and his wife put on some scarves, got some pumpkin spice lattes (laughs) and checked into the Stanley Hotel in Colorado. Stanley Kubrick Hotel? That's interesting, right? Yeah. Whoa. Now, when they got there, this hotel was just about to close for the season and there were like two other guests. So that night they ate dinner at an empty dining room. Um, He, Stephen King, sat at an empty bar, got served by a, a ghost. single, yeah, by, <laughs> may have been a ghost, yeah. and had crazy nightmares that night. Oh, and um, then well, I got a quote here. I'll just read it out. He said, "That night, I dreamed of my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulder, eyes wide, screaming, eyes wide shut." Yeah, so interesting. He was being chased by a fire hose. The old fire hosey chasey. <laughs> I woke up with a tremendous jerk. 
and had a great day. <laughs> it's, it's a, how else do you start the day? Um, language was a little different it in went, 74. Went back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he, um, he must have meant something else. He woke up. Well, fuck, actually, this checks out. Wait. <laughs> I woke up with a tremendous jerk sweating all over within an inch of falling out of bed. This You've recontextualized this whole quote for me now. Absolutely went to town on himself. <laughs> Got up, lit a cigarette. Oh. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> Did he just do that? Lit a cigarette, sat in the chair, looking out the window at the Rockies, and by the time the cigarette was done, he was ready for another tremendous jerk. No, he said, <laughs> I had the bones of the book. <laughs> <A> bone. <laughs> oh, grow up, guys. Sorry. Sorry, sorry guys. Sorry, Mum. I had the bones of the book firmly set in my mind. So he's just crazy dream, this very James Jimmy Cameron of him. Fever dream. Wakes up, smokes a cigarette and bish bash bosh, he goes to have a movie. Actually, no, a book. But there's also a parallel to this, which is the other ingredient actually came from a book he was attempting to write years earlier called Dark Shine, which was about a psychic boy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So that's a, so you that's have a, that sitting there. Yeah, so Dark Shine, empty a hotel, police cops. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And actually, interestingly, mm. according to the Wikipedia, um, it's also – Inspired by the haunting of Hill House, which is another book. Haunting on haunt, House on Haunted Hill. No, I always get that mixed up too. I thought you missed because you talked about it yesterday, and yeah. I didn't correct you. But I thought no, there's two different things. This time I got to ask. Well, and the thing on that, so that was a book, a Haunting of Hill House, which got turned into a Netflix series by um, old mate. What's his name? Flanagan, Mike Flanagan. Oh yeah, 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 right. Who made Doctor Good? Doctor Good, Doctor Sleep, Doctor Feel Good. Is that what you're thinking of? I, it must have been. Do you remember Doctor Feel Good, Greg? Of course. It was one of the closest things we had to porn. In the, it was the SBS the of 90s. radio. Yeah. <laughs> talked about adult things. Yeah, it was uh, enlightening. Yeah, um, Doctor Dolly. So yeah, that's Dolly an interesting Dolly. little full circle-y moment there. Um, would you say you woke up with a tremendous jerk after listening to <laughs> Doctor Feel Good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, I would, Kent. Um, <laughs> yes, I would, Kent. <laughs> uh, all right. So on the other side of things, that book gets made and, you know, it gets printed on various pages and things. Um, Typewriter? Yeah, probably. In the meantime, Stanley Kubrick has made a film called Barry Lyndon. It flopped and he realised that he needed to balance the economics of film with, you know, creative fulfilment. So he needed to find something that was commercially and artistically viable. Such is the tightrope of Hollywood. I mean, what about this podcast? You know? Oh, we're... We refuse to sell out. Yeah. Uh, and I believe he identified horror as the ticket that could, you know, straddle both of these. And he got his assistant to bring him a bunch of horror books and this quote is hilarious. I had to... So I that's... that's in, to, just to sort of reiterate what you just said... He said, I need to make a horror movie. I believe so. I'm reading between the lines a little on that one, but I think that's what he meant. He's an interesting dude because um, he'd already done 2001 A Space Odyssey and I'd heard that when he was making that, his whole kind of genesis of that was like, what if I made a good science fiction film? Mm. So I can imagine it might he might, from his point of view, I'm not saying there's no other good horror movies, but in his mind at the time he might have gone, why don't I do what I did for sci-fi for horror? Perhaps. Perhaps. Again, I'm speculating. 
Um, but this is a this is a great little anecdote. Putting that, words uh, in his mouth. Uh, yeah, that's what I do. He's dead. What's he gonna do? <laughs> What's he gonna come? No, wait, don't come and get me. I'm not. I don't want no ghosts. I don't yeah. want no trouble. No. He's gonna tell me to sort out my wife or something. Serve me what's a drink. It, what's he say? Give her a talking to. Correct her or something. Correct them. Yeah. Mansplain to her. <laughs> <laughs> it's the modern term. Yeah. Um, this quote's great. Kubrick's secretary heard the sound of each book hitting the wall as the director flung it into the reject pile after reading the first few pages. It's very Homer Simpson in the fireplace. Mm. Good. Finally, one day the secretary noticed it had been a while since, he'd, <laughs> since she had heard the thud of another... <laughs> Writer's work bite of the dust. She walked in to check on her boss and found Kubrick deeply engrossed, reading none other than The Shining. Mm. And his take on the whole thing was there's something inherently wrong with human personality, with the human personality. There's an evil side to it. One of the things that horror stories can do is to show us the archetypes of the unconscious. We can see the dark side without having to confront it directly. Now we'll we'll can unpack a little bit more differences between the book and the movie and that kind of thing later and, and some famous quotes from uh, Stephen King on that stuff. But um, to round out origin story, why don't I just touch on a couple of precasties? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So Jack Nicholson was the first choice; it's always in mind. But also considered for the role were uh, Sirs Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. And Harrison Ford. And some other guy whose name I didn't Yeah, I didn't end up writing it. <laughs> ben Mortary or something. Some guy. Do you know him? No. But um, Harrison Ford actually could have been pretty. Yeah. He's good angry. Yeah. And he's a bit weird. He's got some yeah, weird and, energy. but also could have played it low key. Well, and that's a big thing. I'll get into it a bit more later, but there was this great quote I read by someone much smarter than me that said something like. Life is like of, a box of chocolates. <laughs> yeah. Instead of playing a normal man who becomes insane, Nicholson portrays a crazy man attempting to remain sane. And I think that's like a pretty good overall yeah. difference between the book and the movie. And so Harrison Ford would have been a better version yeah. of the former perhaps. Because yeah. King didn't like Nicholson being cast because it's like, well, he's obviously going to be crazy. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's just done one floor of the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so even, yeah. Which is kind of fair. Even if he did play it straight, which he doesn't. Really, he's like mm. he's cracking the whole time. But yeah, even if he tried, people are still just going to remember him as the yeah good goodness guy. But I guess perhaps a conscious choice because we'll get into it. He's pretty creepy from the start. It's <laughs> it's, fucking it's, awesome! It's all pent up psychoticness yeah. in there. Um, to round out precast is you know an idea that I completely understand. It's 1980. Uh, Jack Nicholson wanted Jessica Lange as his wife, oh. which I believe most men would have wanted the postman always rings twice <laughs> well then they eventually did that together after so i guess that was just on his bucket list um <laughs> <laughs> that being her <laughs> sorry wait that came out wrong i just meant that scenario wow, wow. like he's like okay wow keep going wow keep going <laughs> very happy with the book oh i can't tell you <laughs> i'm potting with a smile uh bish bash bosh you go self a movie rap party at that well lit um bar with that guy that is not Alive. Yeah. Wait, who do I – I got him confused with – Your money is no good here, so I thought it was Gary Oldman in my memory, like as a younger person. Because oh. he, he's in another movie and I thought he was – I think he's in Blade Runner maybe. Is he in Blade Runner? Do you know who – oh, what about a recasty for Delbert Grady? Is that the previous – The caretaker that yeah. does the – correct them. 
Mm. Like, uh, he's creepy. Wasn't that Prince Philip? No, what's his name? Um, Prince Andrew. Andrew, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fully, right? <laughs> I was like, why is Prince Andrew with this? I was going to say Ralph Fiennes. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, He'd yeah. nail that. But you have to make him a bigger part. Well, the, well, they're making a prequel. Oh. I think a prequel TV show. So they will do that guy's story. Played maybe, by Ralph Fiennes? Maybe. Should I call someone? <laughs> you should. Who would I call? Casting by. I'll call IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, internet. Get me IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's play the trailer. I don't suppose they uh, told you anything in Denver about the tragedy we had up here during the winter of 1970. I hired a man named Charles Grady as the winter caretaker. From what I've been told, I mean, he seemed like a completely normal individual. But at some point during the winter, he must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok. Uh, killed his family for the Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. <laughs> that's right. Mom, they really want to go and live in that hotel for the winter. Sure I do. It'll be lots of fun. The only thing that can get a bit trying up here during the winter is uh, the tremendous sense of isolation. Is there something bad here? I fear you will have to deal with this matter in the harshest possible way. I did uh, I killed you with Danny. You did this to me. Didn't you? I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Looks like a good movie. Yeah. Not a bad trailer. Maybe that wasn't the original trailer. It felt quite modern. Um, but in any case. Dun, 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 that music. Okay. Well, maybe I didn't deliver the best trailer, but you know what? It doesn't matter because we've got Greg Carney in the room to talk us through exactly what went down in this in film. In the room, in the room. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, most people are probably familiar with this one. Uh, I don't have yeah. a hot take. Yeah. But um, it is about a man named Jack. Uh, and his family, Wendy, his wife, and his son, Danny. Mm. Uh, now, Jack plans to take a job as a caretaker of a hotel over the winter months when the heavy winter weather, the snow, whatnot, forces the hotel to close. Mm. Now, you might say, a hotel in the snow closing? Why don't they just have skiing? Well, they addressed they that. Addressed that. <laughs> I do think that was funny. Like, they were... It's like something they would do now to get ahead of internet trolls or something. Yeah, it was quite good. Yeah. Um, but the, it was to get the road is so long into this particular hotel that to sweep the snow would cost, just, you know, it wouldn't be financially viable to yeah. keep it open. And all the ghosts. The, and the ghosts. <laughs> and the fucking ghosts. Where are they in summer? Anyway. Uh, it's too hot. Uh, yeah. God, I heard they hate the whole weather. <laughs> um, so... Jack is an uh, inspiring writer, somewhat of a tortured artist, you might say, Mm. and he plans to find some solid inspo Mm. uh, by locking him and his family in the Overlook Hotel over the course of winter. I think it was three months. Uh, And look, there's some existing, shall we say, suboptimal family dynamics that were explained. Yeah, he's a dick. (laughs) He's a proper dick. Uh, Danny clearly has a few things going on that suggest that he's had some experiences that weren't great. Yeah. Um, Jack himself is a 
recovering alcoholic, anger management issues. There's a case of child abuse. Yeah. He's dislocated his son's arm when trying to pull him off the floor. That isn't normal. Yeah. There's an accident apparently, but that's not normal. Yeah. Um, so, hey, he's going to go and isolate himself and his family for three months. Uh, just an, uh, It feels like a high-risk scenario. Hindsight's a, mm. a great thing, but um, I feel like that environment may not have been a, the best for someone like Jack. Yeah. But off they go. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Uh, and we learn pretty quickly that not is all that it seems at the Overlook. Mm. Um, let's just say Jack does not exactly cure his writer's block. Mm. Um, and the harsh conditions really take their toll on the family. So true. Um, hilarity ensues. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. No, that was a leftover note. Um, <laughs> shit gets real. Yeah. Or not real. Yeah, what's surreal? Surreal, thank you. <laughs> thank you, we got you here <laughs> with your words and such. Yeah, I'll leave it there. Sort of. Yeah. That stepping through the madness of the Overlook Hotel. It is interesting because you're right, it sounds like a recipe for disaster, but at the same time. Fear opening. Fear opening. Haven't heard that in a while from you. Um. <laughs> The I kind of get it. This was one of the first things that hit me different now as an adult. I kind of get it. Like what? Why he's cracking the shits? No, no, oh. no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, the, me, the, the me, one, me, one, me neither. <laughs> wanting to stay, wanting that scenario from a from a writing point okay. of view. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of you know when um during COVID when I wasn't working, kind of trying to go all in on like podcast stuff and trying to make mm. a YouTube channel. I was like, oh, I can use this time. I'll go deep and you mm. know, I kind of get that. And even we can get more into the family dynamics of this. So I don't want to go down a rabbit hole too quickly. But um, I can almost even imagine it as like, uh, you know, they're not in a great situation and it's like let's just like lock down and this will be, we'll figure it out kind yeah. of thing. Like our relationship's falling apart. Let's have a baby to yeah, equ- that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like the the final straw after that. Um, so, I, yeah, I kind of – that stuff kind of hit different as an adult. I, I get the logic now. I think before I was like, why would you do that? That just seems like a big scary hotel, but no, I kind of get it. And there was a piano in there that I'm sold and 20 legs of lamb, so. Well, I was – yeah, I like that bit. Yeah. Now, this is where we keep all of our meat. You got 15 rib roasts, 30 10-pound bags of hamburger – we got 12 turkeys, about 40 chickens, 50 sirloin steaks, two dozen of pork rolls, and 20 legs of lamb. Does that, that bit made me really hungry. Yeah, Is, am I alone there? You're not alone. I mean, a lot of things make me hungry, but that, <laughs> that, the 20 legs of lamb. I thought it was, lamb was slightly underrepresented, but well, like that would just last me five months, I think. Lamb's not big mm. probably in that part. No. They're not big lamb. It's not big in the US. Yeah. It's a very Australian. And New Zealand, New Zealand thing. thing. Why yeah. is that? No, and then in Asia, in Singapore, there's a lot of mutton. Yeah, um, dressed as lamb. <laughs> there it is. I used to take my dad. My my dad lived in Singapore when I was when I was a child. He used to <laughs> <laughs> he used to get me because I used to visit like once a year or something, and he would get me to freeze legs of lamb yeah. and take it over in my luggage. Yeah. And I was never completely sure if it was legal, so I got real nervous with those <laughs> machine gun. Any men. fruit or vegetables? <laughs> the um, yeah, when I went to visit. I've just come back from Singapore mm. um, and a couple, one of the um, cousin's boyfriend's like, oh, 
did you bring lamb? I was like, mate, really? I'm here and all. He's like, oh, it's so cheap there. I'm like, yeah, but what am I gonna, like? What am I going to do with it? Like, just, yeah. hey guys, go, go, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Fully. I didn't take lamb. Maybe I should have. Well, Greg did bring me Vegemite. Thank you, Greg. I didn't bring in you any lamb though. No, that's that's true. Sorry, that's okay. That's okay. I got twenty in the freezer, <laughs> <laughs> along with eight rib roast. Um, but like, wait, let's zoom out a little. Okay, initial oh, reaction. Like, how 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 was the rewatch? Well. The initial reaction was a zoomed out. I love those opening scenes. Yeah, that following, oh, which is so beautiful, like used now. Like a, a, that kind of vibe of the aerial shot of the car going through a wave. It's almost like a car ad, actually. Yeah, <laughs> and that um, that music's so ominous. Yeah, it's so ominous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's beautiful. This is a beautiful film, man. It's oh. like an oil painting. Yeah, yeah. Just the attention to detail and the. It's so rich. Yeah. It doesn't – that's probably my rewatch. The, the biggest standout for me rewatching this was the attention to detail. Yeah. And the cinematography. Yeah. Chef's kiss. Same, yeah. And there was just – I think I had kind of – like I said, like when I first watched this when I was a lot, a lot younger, I was like, yeah, that's cool. Like, I, you know, it's pretty and whatever. Like I get it, but I, don't, I didn't get all of it. I had the same experience. It's just mm. interesting how much – it's not that long ago I saw this film yeah. last. And I think the last time I watched it I I got it a lot more but I, I just kind of thought, yeah, I get it and move on. And mm. I respect it. I think it's – I liked it a lot and everything. But now even re-watching it now, there's just even more that I kind of forgot was there and mm. just – and all those things we just mentioned kind of hit different and just – the detail, and I don't even mean like detail, like granular detail, but just in terms of the stuff that happens in this movie, I forgot about half of it mm. and it's just fucking yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, it's interesting though because I think uh, one major difference versus expectation was if you think back to last week with The Omen, I was saying, oh, it would be interesting if they made it a little bit more ambiguous as to whether this kid was actually evil. But it, By the end it's pretty clear that he was. And going into this. For some. I, yeah, except <laughs> for Greg. And then going into this, I was thinking, oh, actually, yeah, thinking on that, this movie is more like that. And so I, I somehow remembered this movie as maybe because it wasn't as gory horror as I was expecting when I initially watched it back in the day. I was kind of expecting it to be more ambiguous, like, oh, wait, did he just go crazy? But almost immediately with, you know, the kid being able to read minds and things, you're like, okay. So no, it's, it's more the other way. It's more. It, it's not, there's no, I mean, I, obviously there's allegories for like alcoholism and whatever, but it's not, that stuff happened. <laughs> like mm. it's not all in his head, for instance. You know, I thought it might be like a fight club scenario where it's, yeah. you know, he's just imagining just all this more shit and he goes crazy. But the fact that Danny is pretty explicitly, Shining, <laughs> that it's it is a oh, super, supernatural things face. are happening. You know, supernatural yeah. is undoubtedly happening. There's is a lot of blood, a lot of blood, a lot of blood. Oh, one thing that I found really interesting was the title cards. It had the interview, and then it had like for different chapters, kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, and they yeah. got more and more. They just started quite broad, and then they got more and more like. Frequent. So it yeah. was like the interview, then there was like, I don't know, the first day or something, I can't remember. Then there was one month later and then there was Tuesday. <laughs> and yeah. then they got like more and more, like the propulsion, you're like, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah. The yeah. velocity and then it was turned like, up. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Good word. Um, and, and that was that was pretty cool. And I think um, 
yeah, I don't know. I don't even know where to start with this one because it was just so compelling. I know what's going to happen. I've said it before. And, it, you know, it's not, it's not the – it's relatively slow and I don't mean that as in a bad way, but sometimes with slower movies I struggle with, you know, attention span. But I was glued. I, th- I think the aesthetic just makes it easy to watch even when there's not heaps happening because it's so yeah great to watch. Just yeah. the set design. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just so stimulating <laughs> to, to get into your eyeballs. Mm. It's great. Great. One thing I wasn't clear on, though, to the to your point before with that previous fella, um, Prince Andrew, how like how many times has this happened before? Was it just that once? Like it feels. Well, I think. Well, what am I basing this on? I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's more than that. I right. It must be right. It must be recurring. The other thing I got confused about, which may be stupid, and now after watching Doctor Sleep, I understand more, was I thought that it was kind of random. Like, okay, so you got the hotel with ghosts and you got a kid that can read minds. Okay, it's kind of a random combination of things. I kind of didn't like connect the two. I was like, why isn't this movie just called The Overlook? Like why is it called The Shining? Like the kid shining almost feels like a subplot. But in And maybe it's obvious to everyone else that I'm just being fucking stupid. But when I watch Doctor Sleep, they do like address it directly and go, Nobody shines like you. So you, in that damn hotel, you was like a million-watt battery all plugged in, and it ate it up. You made it real. Started as soon as you walked through the door. Yeah, I thought that was cool, and I feel stupid for not really realising that, but I didn't... You are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, that I mean, also, Dr. Sleep overall, you haven't watched it, right? You've seen parts of it. You started watching it a few I have, times. So I started watching it on the plane on the way home from Singapore the other day, yeah, and I, and I didn't realize it was on there because the flight ran out of time. I, I uh, landed. yeah. Um, but I didn't realize it was on there. Um, and I and then as I was watching it, I have watched this before, but I would have been probably semi drunk, right? And I didn't remember. Um, because what happens is because Carol doesn't watch horror movies. Yeah. If I'm watching horror at home, it's by myself, and typically later at night, and there's a good chance I've had a couple of beers on the <laughs> couch. And I'll start. Otherwise, I wouldn't start. I'd get a bed. But if I've had a couple, then Are you I'm saying like, it's similar to how we tried to watch the Halloween ends last night after exactly what it, fifty what it, old fashions? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I fell asleep, and we we couldn't follow any of it. I couldn't follow it, man. It was like, and then we went to sleep. I, I kept asking, like, "Who's that? Wait, who's that?" I could not follow. I want to watch no it idea. again sober. I do. What, yeah, maybe we'll watch it tonight after dinner. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. There we go. See, we'll have less old fashions tonight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so you haven't watched it all. Yeah, it's I think, a long way of saying. <laughs> yeah, um, yes. because I, so I rewatched it this week, and man, after watching like back to back, night after night, I watched The Shining and then into Doctor Sleep, and it like hit so different having that fresh in my mind. Yeah, um, all the it it kind of goes full circle without spoiling anything, and it makes like that thing I just mentioned about, you know, his power to shine is part of the dynamic of why the shit went down the way it did. There's lots of things like that that kind of – on the one hand, the movie is unrelated to The Shining in lots of ways. Like it's just Danny grown up and what was his life like kind of thing. Yeah. But it does kind of come back full circle and it makes The Shining better, I think. 
it like just makes the whole thing feel like, yeah, nice. It's like a okay. really good sequel. Yeah, it's I need to watch good. it. Um, because they do say you can give a life and you can lose your soul. You can bang your head or you can drown in a hole. They, they do say that, that uh, amorosi perhaps. Yeah, nothing yeah. lasts forever, but you can try. Yeah. Look around you. Everyone you see, everyone you know is going to show. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's for the 36%, the Australians. That's for the, hey, that's for the Australians. Milestone, they were neck and neck for a while, but we now officially have like, I think we have 36% Australian listeners and we now have 37% American listeners. So here's to the Americans. Yeah. America. America, fuck yeah. Thank you for your support. We appreciate you. Oh, so on the Dr. Sleep, this Mike Flanagan guy. Yeah, he's good, man. Watch anything. He's got a new show on Netflix too. I haven't seen any of his stuff, but he's getting he's lauded. Yeah, he's good. For 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 being a non shock jock. It is shock jock? No. Shock. I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say he's the same as Kubrick necessarily, but in terms of qual like it's not you wouldn't look at that and go, Oh, it's it's just like Kubrick's alive. It's not that so much, but in terms of the quality And it's non It's just fucking Good man, mm. I haven't seen any of his movies. The, he's done how many movies he's got? He writes them, he directs, writes the theme tune, yeah. sings the theme tune. <laughs> he seems to be a, so. Yeah, he did Doctor Sleep. He did Haunting of Hill House, which is probably the most scary of all of his because that is just old school ghosts, fucking scary stuff. Like it's hard to watch. Um, then he did. Is it called the Haunting of Bly Manor, or is it just Bly Manor? The seasons of these things are unrelated. It's just a different story. Kind of like American Horror Story, how they do it. That that one is less scary, but still, maybe more like The Shining. Um, is it a TV show? Or? Yeah, yeah, on Netflix. Right, oh, and okay. it's just it's the just, haunting of Bly Mansion, the haunting of Hill House, and then um, Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass was the last year's one, which was really so these really are all good. On Netflix, are they? Yeah, and they're good. They're probably the best shit on Netflix, and they're just quality, man. And um, Midnight Mass is probably the least scary, but it's still kind of like a horror premise but with a real cool kind of take on it right like it's it's essentially a vampire story but but he, he i don't know he does it in such an interesting way where it's like huh i there's religion and all kinds of interesting things going on there okay so yeah. he's doing more tv than film really yeah he did one of the ouija sequels a bunch of money he did ouija some origins or something, I can't oh, remember. Yeah, <laughs> but that one's meant to be really good. Oh, no, I watched it. That one is good. I think the first one's like, I think that might have been his first scary. movie that showed that he's good. I don't want to get scared. Watch, the, watch Midnight Mass then. Do you know, I think I was, I don't know if I said this already, I feel like horror films are like chili. Mm. Yeah, my chili was Your fairly tolerance. staple before children, but then yeah. I had to dial it back, you know, so we can, they all can eat it, little weaklings. Horror, yeah. I find I'm probably a little bit, more yeah. some of the good ones now because I don't watch it very much. Yeah. It's a bit harder if it's good. Well, that's interesting too because I – can we talk about that? Because did you find this scary? Um, No. Yeah. Neither did I and I don't say that as a fault. No, no. Because it doesn't even really matter because it's like it's technically horror genre but – Oh, that's that was going to be a question to you. Well, yeah. Where does so this? Is it? Yeah. I don't think it's that much. I mean, I guess you can argue it either way. Where I landed is that for me, it's not. Re- it's more of a thriller. Yeah. And a big part of it is that the the ghosty aspect of it is more 
to build on the character's situation mm. rather than being the central force of the film. Yeah, it's almost in the background. It's not, it's not yeah. like, yeah. It facilitates the, the yeah. madness or, you know, the crazy scenario rather than. Yeah, it's more the setting rather than the actual, like, main Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. The, it's the salad, not the protein. Oh, that's, that's very stupid on your part. Uh, yeah, you press it's the very stupid on your part. Yeah, it's not the protein. You're right. Mm. You're right. It's almost the garnish, you might say. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, like a good garnish, good. Like, a, like parmesan. Oh, I was thinking just one of those slices of orange where you just cut one. Oh, apart. see, I was gonna. I gave it a bit more. <laughs> okay. I feel like you know, like a some fresh Reggiano. Oh, okay. Mm, nice. Because <laughs> uh, I'm the same, but I think also uh, the fact that so much of this we absorbed through pop culture before even watching it probably softened it a little in terms of the scares. Mm-hmm. But also rewatching, I was thinking a lot about this this week because actually. The three films we've now covered, I haven't found scary. Mm. And I was thinking about horror as a genre. I haven't found scary in the rewatch, let mm. me be clear. And I was thinking like, is that a unique thing when it comes to horror? Because, you know, there's that Hitchcock quote. He says, there is no terror in the bang, only in the anticipation of it. So mm. if you think of it like that. Going around it's, quoting Hitchcock now. Yeah, that's what I do, man. I'm terrified of the bang. <laughs> the very nature of a rewatch, the anticipation is gone. So therefore, according to Hitchcock, the terror is gone. Yeah. But I still like rewatching horror. Yeah. So it's almost like it changes genre from first watch to second watch. Because uh, the first watch, uh, the anti- it's all anticipation. Because you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. But then the rewatch, it almost becomes like a sci-fi type of, because you know, I've talked about this before too, where I think I, I'm really liking horror lately because it good horror movies have high concept um, um, premises like sci-fi does. And so it's almost like re-watching horror like this, once the terror is gone from the first viewing, it almost becomes like, all right, I want to look at this puzzle a little more closely. And enjoy like, it. Yeah. And for kind different of, reasons. Yeah, and look at, decode it a little more and mm. look for clues or whatever the case may be depending and on like, the- And open your eyes for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Now that I know what I know, if I watch it again, do I get more? You know, it, it feels more- like that, which is pretty unique, I think. Mm. And I think it's at first I was thinking, shit, is is horror the least rewatchable genre? But actually, that might make it the most rewatchable genre because you're you're. It's a completely different experience watching a horror movie for the second time because you know there's no anticipation. Only for good horror, because some yeah, of them, yeah, some yeah. horror movies are purely designed for the for the scare, like for the scare. True. For the like fright. if you rewatched. Friday the 13th, right. the first one, they'll probably be like, yeah, okay, fine. You know, there are some short shorts, but other than that, nice. and there's some chicks in it too, but uh, <laughs> a lot of dudes in short shorts. Um, include, wait, Kevin's Bacon's in that too. Um, and it's almost the, and in the opposite corner, yeah. <laughs> have I just inherited that phrasing from you now? Because you had Gregory's Peck. Guess so. And Jeremy's eye. <laughs> no, well, it's staying though. <laughs> um, Kevin's bacon. Is 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 comedy the opposite? Because comedy is highly rewatchable, and it almost becomes funnier. So, in the exact opposite direction, where horror may become less scary, comedy can become more funny. Wow. I have no conclusion wow. to that, but I think that is interesting genre dynamics that we, I don't think we've really talked about before. No, I like it. Yeah. I'll give you another one. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. What, what do you get out of it the further you get under the hood of it? 
I think it's more, it, to me, it's almost like, uh, to give a cliche example, like maybe rewatching Fight Club or, uh-huh. or like rewatching 2001 Space Odyssey or like Blade Runner. It's like, oh, I want to unpack this a little more. It's, it's more, you're watching it almost in detective mode yeah, round two. Uh-huh. You're like, I'm in on this now. Let's, let's unpack a little bit more. Like dating. Yeah, it's like it's exactly like second date. It's all right. I'm less scared now. <laughs> That's exactly it. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I pressed the wrong button, but that's where we'll leave it. There. Um, should we talk about the Shelley Duval thing? Because we definitely it is should. That's probably the biggest shift. I yeah. think, in the rewatch for me. I was most interested to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. So as I said at the upfront, I I remember watching it going, that chick's like a really bad actress. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know her from much else, if anything. Same. Yeah. So I didn't. She kind of looked like olive oil and that was about it for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it sounds like we both had a different viewing experience in her performance this time. Tenfold. As an adult. Yeah, man. Which was amazing. Yeah. As an adult that knows things now, as an adult that understands toxic humans and, you know. But the, yeah. <laughs> the f- fascinating thing, though, is to learn that. She was panned at the time. Yeah, she got a Razzie nom. She got a Razzie nom. So did Kubrick though, to be fair. Yeah, which is bizarre. Mm. Um, and then in years to come people have gone, I oh, know it was a good performance. And that's not everyone else being a teenager and then watching mm. it at 40 or whatever. Yeah. Do you, like, so what happened there? It's interesting, right? She, uh, we were just watching the little making of um, featurette thing earlier today and she talks about it. Obviously, there's pretty infamous uh, on-set experiences that have been talked about with her and how that baseball bat scene on the stairs was 127 takes, a <laughs> Guinness world record. So, like, oh. Kubrick was being a, a real <laughs> But for artistic reasons, I suppose, to get what he wanted out of her. Yeah. Like, be, like, on your last fucking ounce of sanity. Yeah. Um, and when she talks about it, Obviously it wasn't fun doing that, but she thinks, you know, the end justify the means a little like she's happy with the result. If it hadn't been for that, you know, volley of ideas and sometimes butting of heads together, it wouldn't have come out as good as it did. And it also helps get the emotion up and the concentration up because it builds up anger, actually, and you you get more out of yourself. And he knew that. And he knew he was getting more out of me by doing that. It, you just, uh, you appreciate all the pain. I mean, you, you always dislike whatever the cause is uh, of pain. You always resent it. So I resented Stanley at times because he pushed me. And he, it hurt. And I resented him for it. I thought, why do you want to do this to me? How can you do this to me? You know, you agonize over it. And it's just a necessary turmoil to get out of it what you want out of it. I mean, we had the same end in mind. It was just that sometimes we differed in our means. And by the end, the means met. It just, it just reinforces that, oh, no, she is acting there. Like There's choices being made. And for me, I think... Um, at first I was watching, I was still kind of thinking, is she terrible in this? And then I was thinking, Jack, I know that, I know that guy more now as an adult. Yeah. Like I, I know that type of he, person. He 
and he he's manipulates a shit, he's and a bullies shit, his wife. He's a dickhead, and so she's on on eggshells talking she's to the him the whole time. She's like, "Hey, so like, what do you think about this?" And ke- she's and like terrified of triggering him. Exactly, and so she's yeah. doing everything to appease him. Get a lot written today. Yes. Hey, weather forecast said it's going to snow tonight. What do you want me to do about it? Oh, come on, hon. Don't be so grouchy. I'm not being grouchy. I just want to finish my work. Okay, I understand. I'll come back later on with a couple of sandwiches for you and maybe you'll let me read something then. And Stephen King was like, oh, no, the, the character in the book was, a, was a, you know, a yeah. strong woman, a strong character. Yeah, Jessica and some, <laughs> and some Yeah, and someone said, which I really agree with, but that kind of girl wouldn't stay with a guy like this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like she's, it's kind of, I mean, they never explicitly get into it, but it feels it's the a correct bit like dynamic. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like she is abused, whether physically or emotionally, whatever, and she is like trying to just keep him happy and yeah. not try to like... She wanted to try to leave or wanted to leave. But, oh, she's giving him another chance. Yeah, like, and so all those pits, all those bits that I guess as a younger, stupider human that I didn't really understand Jack's character, I just thought she's like, why is she delivering lines like that? She was it just sounds like Yeah, she was fucking terrified of yeah. this jerk she's stuck with. And she's trying to be like over yeah, positively. Yeah, hey, what if I just be real positive about yeah. this thing here? And like, Got 20 I'll, legs of land oh, in the freezer. I'll just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wasn't expecting that. So. <laughs> Maybe I would have snapped him right out of it. Some mint sauce. But oh. she was feeding him good. She made the eggs. She's doing all the work too. Yeah. He didn't do shit. He didn't do shit. He's such a Lazy shit, shit bloke. Lazy. You know what it reminded me of? Have you seen Mother? No, I haven't seen Mother. It's very similar. It's all... Gets an allegory, there, really, and it's pretty. It's pretty clearly like an allegory for like man versus mother nature kind of thing. Yeah. But I also think it's like a pretty good representation of like the the I guess accepted cultural norms of like Yesteryear. the creative genius man and the woman must just you know. Well, I've tried to I've tried the, to impart this on Carol for years. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've, Carol, can you come see? <laughs> See, all work and no play. Yeah. Um, She's like, all right, you can go to New York, you weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, he is, no question about it, before he even gets to the hotel, he's a dickhead. He's a her- terrible dad. He's the worst. He like is he's always worst. grumpy. The kid's on eggshells as well. Yeah. In the car, they're like, um, Dad, I'm hungry. Well, you should have eaten. I mean, I say that quite a bit because <laughs> it is, I got to say it is, a little frustrating when your kids say they're hungry when they don't eat what you gave them like 20 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids, hey, they're kids are also lollies. jerks. Yeah, they're hungry for lollies. But this kid was a ch- – that's the other thing. Yeah. This wasn't an annoying kid. Yeah. And I should know. <laughs> <laughs> I love my kids. But they're definitely – they run – It's pretty easy going. He's a chill kid. He's got an imaginary friend. He's, if anything, he's just a little bit creepy. He's a little bit creepy, but he's ultimately – I was always comfortable with him. He really helped even out my fear of children um, that was heightened by the omen. It was nice to have a good kid. 
yeah. um, that, you know, a, a force for good. Shining. Yeah. And I think performance-wise he was great too. He was really good. He was really good. So apparently they auditioned like 5,000 kids or something. Right. So would you let your kid play this character? I wonder this all the time, man. Do, do they understand what they're making? I don't so know. How old kid in this film? Probably, probably this kid. Let's uh, let's give him the respect he deserves. While you're bringing that up, it was funny in the making of. There's an interview with him, and he's a delightful little kid. And yeah. um, they're talking about getting was, paid or something. He was and he's pretty like, sharp, wasn't he? Yeah, he's like, I didn't even know we were getting paid. I thought maybe two dollars or something. And I've got five hundred or six hundred dollars now. <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> so he was eight. Eight. He um, was so. He was eight, and he was great. He was so good. Um, He's in. He has a cameo in Doctor Sleep. Did you know that? Does he? Well, that's the interesting thing too. I know, as like Holly, Hollywood can be real mean because um, the guy that played Jack, uh, the, sorry, the guy that played Danny, um, also named Danny, unfortunately didn't grow up to be hot, so he didn't get to be in Doctor Sleep as the as Daddy. He just had a little cameo, I suppose. He didn't grow up to be um, Ewan McGregor's. Yeah, the Hollywood Ewan's does McGregor? this, man. You know, Ewan's McGregor, <laughs> like the the daughter of the president in. Um, in um, Ivanka Trump, <laughs> Ivana, which one's the I don't know. I don't know. One of them. Now, the daughter of the president in Independence Day, she's still acting and she's great and she's in lots of stuff, but she's not conventionally hot. So she wasn't in the Lego sequel to that. She's not hot enough. Oh, that's just the way Hollywood works, man. So that's what you get, Daddy. Do better, Damn. be hotter, and maybe you could have been in Doctor Sleep more prominently. <sighs> man, Ewan McGregor's pretty good in that, although he. One of the worst American accents of the bunch. He, yeah, he's got good heritage in playing a deadbeat. Well, that's the thing too. I, when watching Doctor Sleep, I kind of forgot about all that, and I really love that. The fact, of course, Danny's going to grow up to be an alcoholic. Like he's drinking to dull the yeah. noise in his head. Yeah. It's kind of a beautiful thing. You should watch that movie if you haven't watched it. Everybody, go watch it. If you're in Australia, it's going to be. It's it was on Netflix, I believe, and it's gone, yeah. but it's going to be on. Binge or Foxtel oh, is it? on demand from the end of the month. And it's on HBO Max in the US. There you go. There you Watch go. it. Watch it. It feels traditionally, I haven't seen the whole thing, but it straight away for me felt more Stephen Kingy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, interesting. Like the sucking of the there, spirit it is, stuff. I would say it's also scarier, but again, maybe that is because I haven't rewatched it a bunch. Um, but there, there are moments, it is more overt in its violence and gore and horribleness and there are moments that are so horrible to watch oh really yeah like you know a child being murdered is pretty uh, oh at the beginning yeah yeah that, that, that was that was pretty hard wasn't it they was sort of opened with hard. that and they really like there's stayed no, there there's <laughs> they no mistaking there. there's like yeah that was unpleasant because <sighs> the pain purifies the steam so they didn't wasn't you know a quick and Oh, uh, uh, uh. Oh, it's just a little kid, man. Damn. Uh, yeah. I feel like they know the buttons to push. Yeah. Because everything's been pushed. Every button's been pushed. Yeah. So now they're going for the buttons that we haven't been pushed where you're still going to get a reaction. Yeah. And that's pretty much kids and yeah. women and kids. Yeah. They're going places. I don't like those places. No, I don't like it. Um, while we're on cast, I guess um, Jack Nicholson was great. Um, I don't really have much to say about it other than that, that it was great. Um, uh, he's just uh, – I feel like if I could have been an actor, I feel like he would have been my. Yeah, I can see that. You know what I mean? Yeah, He's yeah, like, yeah. I look at him and go, yeah, that's it. That's yeah. the 
I'm more of a Bradley Pitts, but yeah, I get you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more. Yeah, you are. Who would I be? I would be um, maybe a Sam Rockwell type, but taller. I thought he was tall, no, but he's not. He's not because I thought I saw him at this members club in London. I'm like Sam Rockwell's quite tall. It no. mustn't have been him. <laughs> I saw him. I spoke to him. That's right. And he wasn't tall. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't him. <laughs> I've written here in my in my notes the song. What am I talking about there? Oh, I don't know. We've played it. Oh uh, yeah. Sometimes my roads are a little bit too reliant on my memory. Um, <laughs> Speaking of song, yes, Scatman. Can we talk about Scatman real quick while we're talking about cars? Oh yes, Scatman Crothers. Good loop. This was a good. Um, that element of the film is so weird because you follow it's, and it's tragic. You follow his journey to get there in such detail. I know. And then he dies. Instantly. I hated that when I was a kid. Yeah, but now I well, I still hate it. I wanted him to live, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're like you're filled with hope. Yeah, <laughs> and it just immediately <sighs> deflates. And then obviously in the in the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors, they do that same thing as Groundskeeper yeah. Willie. But he dies in every three of the three uh. stories. <laughs> anyway, but no, yeah, but it, not between three and four. That's <laughs> Willie's team. Lousy <laughs> smudge winner. Um, the way that they build that up so much and you spend so much time with him and you see his amazing bedroom art. <laughs> so the bedroom art, he's just got a naked woman. Yeah. Two. There's two different pieces. Two? There's one like above the TV and there's one above Why? the bed. <laughs> I don't know, but growing up I always wanted that. I thought that was the coolest. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, and <laughs> we see him have long conversations with his mate that works at the snowmobile rental place. Like you're spending a lot of time here. Good evening, Forest Service. Hello, my name is Dick Halloran. I'm the head chef up at the Overlook Hotel. Good evening, Mr. Halloran. What can I do for you? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there, but the operator said that the phone lines are down. Yeah, I'm afraid a lot of lines around here are down due to the storm. Well, look, sir, I hate to put you through any trouble, but there's a family up there all by themselves with a young kid. And with the storm and everything, I'd sure appreciate it if you give them a call on your radio just to see if everything's okay. I'll be glad to do that, sir. Uh, why don't you call me back in about uh, 20 minutes? Thank you very much. I'll do that. All right, sir. You're invested in it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, there goes my hero. And then. Oh, it's like the, the beginning of the other guys. Yeah, it is. It is. With that song. Whoa. That is exactly that. Yeah. Um, and also he's just great. He's really good in this. Yeah. I didn't know much about him. He's he's a musician and he's an actor. A, he's yeah. been in a ton of stuff. He well, died he, only six years after this, and which proved me wrong when I. This is maybe embarrassing. Mm. Hopefully, it doesn't come across as racist. Did you think he was in Doctor Sleep? I thought that was him in Doctor. I mean, Sleep. it was good casting, man. Oh, I meant to look it up. Like maybe I was, it was like, his wow. son or something. I was like, maybe he was really young. Yeah, and then he black don't crack. <laughs> yeah. So I thought maybe he's just old and they've put some makeup on him because yeah. it looks like him. Yeah, and it's the whole demeanor. He does it so well. He does it so well. Can, like is it you, his son or something? I don't know. Let's yeah. look it up. I was like, oh, it's not him. Oh, he died not long after the film. So it was like double. No. Carl Lumbly. So it turns out you are a racist, Greg. <laughs> oh, he's been in a bunch of stuff, but yeah. No. Yeah, they did it. They did it so well. And, um, and just the rhythm. The, he just because there's a certain he delivery. Spoke, he delivered it well, but like the characters in a very different environment. Yeah. So he wasn't this. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm, he he was very good. Yeah, he was so good, and um, and Scatman was great in this one. <clears throat> yeah. In this one, 
And he's been in a ton of stuff that I haven't seen any of these things, except for Cuckoo's Nest. A lot of it was back in the day, wasn't it? Yeah. Was he in Cuckoo's Nest? Yeah, he's in four Jack Nicholson films. And he was he was Scat Cat in the Aristocats. <laughs> well, looky here. Big Man O'Malley is back in his alley. Swing on down here, Daddy. In the Transformers, he was Jazz. Okay, Decepticons, time to get down. And he was in the Harlem Globetrotters animated series. There's obviously a million more credits than that, but those were the most relevant for myself. The name Scatman hasn't hasn't aged well, Tristan. Does scat mean something differently now? What does it mean now? It means poo. Scattered. Oh, scat is poo. So, yeah. Have you heard of a scat fiend? No. It's someone who fetishizes poo. Someone who fetishizes poo. They like to get pooed on and poo on. Where's the scat come into that? Scat's the it's it means poo. Is that a, is that a, like uh, I don't know? That's interesting. Anyway, hey, can I play a clip of this Scatman Crothers being a sweet human? It is so interesting watching that making of the way he talks about working with little Danny, and I guess it's, oh, it's so beautiful. This clip was playing just as you yeah. left, and I wanted to play it because he was crying. Yeah, Sorry. he <laughs> cried. He basically he's talking about this thing so wholeheartedly and genuinely that it's fucking amazing. I'll play the clip now. It's just like beautiful to see. And this is, you know, this is the exact opposite. I think like not to get on my fucking soapbox again, we love The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, but there is something about the way he talks about his projects as just so transact, so commerce-led, yeah, yeah. whereas this is the exact opposite. This is what I want to say. I want to see you, you do this because you care and you love and you, yeah, it's a beautiful creative thing, not because you want to be number one in the box office. Not that he talks about any of that I'm projecting, but it is, it is a beautiful thing. Here we go. How did you find working with this little guy, Danny Lloyd, and was it enjoyable? Was it? It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Just like my son. He's tearing up. Now, if you see tears, it will be tears of joy. Because I thank the Lord I'm here and was able to work with such beautiful people. That just like, <sighs> just warms your heart. It's just beautiful. That's what it's all about. Yeah, that's what it's all about. This is what life's about, Tristan. Yeah, man. Man, I've learned that the hard work, you can have, uh, the job you're doing matters so much less than the job you're doing, wait, than the people you're doing it with. That is such a big part of like a life that is enjoyable and sustainable and full of love. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Um, the opposite of love, Greg, perhaps the word hate. Mm-hmm. Stephen King hated this film. I think everyone knows this. but I, th- I, I put, didn't I know it before, oh, really? before we researched the I'd film. always heard that just as a, like a thing that he hated this movie. But you know what? It wasn't as, as one note as that. There's a bit more there I thought was interesting. Um, but he, he did say this is the only adaptation of his novels that he could remember hating. Well, he didn't like... Where do we go? We're going to go through it. He didn't like. What did, did he didn't like others. He didn't like. No, I mean, he didn't like. Sorry, in terms oh, of what, what he didn't, what he like, didn't about like this film, yeah. which is pretty much all of it from what yeah. I read. Yeah, well, all the changes basically. And the cat. He didn't like the portray. He didn't like. He didn't like. Um, he didn't like her. Robert didn't, Duvall didn't like Jack. He wanted like someone like a Christopher Reeve or a John Voight. Yes, so this hotel will kill you a thousand ways. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> Baby God burnt. damn anacondas. Um, Goddamn twin daughters. <laughs> yeah. If you have twins, don't dress them in the same clothes. So why would you? Yeah. If I have twins, because I want to have twins, because you know, just get it out well of the way. Yeah, I hear you. But um, but if they go play with us, daddy, oh, they're out. <laughs> no, holding, no holding hands and staring at me. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Sorry, back on back on Stephen King's, you know, disappointment in this. Wendy Shelley Duvall was a big part of it. Basically, just there to scream and be stupid, and that's not the woman that I wrote about. He that's says. not the woman in the film either. Yeah, exactly, exactly. She's petrified, and she's also losing her mind. Yeah, and wouldn't you? Yeah. Exactly, like it's it's good. He says the themes of uh, disintegration of family and dangers of alcoholism aren't as present in the film, although I feel like they were pretty there, like I felt them. Um, mm, but too. interestingly, he kind of softened. So but he he's also, writing a book, you've got a lot more... Yeah. You've got a lot more canvas to paint on. Exactly. You've got to make creative choices. You've got a beautiful constraint of I have a period of time here to communicate something. And unless you have a narrator, which, you know, is kind of cheating when you're adapting a book, you can't fit it all in. Yeah, you've you got haven't to make got choices. Morgan Freeman talking about Andy Dufresne. Yeah, yeah. And you can't just have, in the process of shortening those things or making them more suitable for film, you're going to have to make creative choices on characters. You can't just cut it down and stick it in. That doesn't I, always yeah. work. And look, I haven't read the book. The same. And, and I didn't write <laughs> and I didn't write the book even. I didn't write it either. I didn't write or read it. Neither. I did, I did I haven't neither either. of those things. Yeah. So yeah. I can't I didn't even listen to so it. So he I feel like he's slightly more entitled to his opinion. It's but it true. would be interesting to know what his rewatch was like if Stephen well. were to watch it today. Well, I've got a couple of quotes on that. Uh what does he say? He says so even when a director such as Stanley Kubrick makes such a maddening, perverse and disappointing film as The Shining, it somehow retains a brilliance that is inarguable. It's simply there. So he respects it on one level. And also he obviously wrote Dr. Sleep and um, and Flanagan when he proposed. Basically Dr. Sleep as a film is really interesting because it does pay off an adaptation of the book, Dr. Sleep, but it yeah. also does pay off as a sequel to the film The Shining, even though there's such huge differences between, you know. It's such a – that's a just a very difficult balance. Yeah, and he pitched to Stephen King to like – He's Flanagan. Yeah, to some of the ideas he had in there to tie it back to the film and not just the book, and he was hesitant at first, but basically net-net he says, everything that I disliked about the Kubrick version of The Shining is redeemed for me because of Dr. Sleep. Also, I reckon ego and time passing. Yeah, the same way we like Sh- Shelley now. He's probably just watched it without his. Yeah, and he created it, man. Like it's mean? hard. It's hard. Yeah. Like if someone else just made an episode of Double Impact right now, would be like, "Wait, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? That's not how we do that bit." Yeah, you know? and it'll probably be better than the regular yeah. episode. <laughs> We're running low on time because we've got to go to dinner. Oh, yes. Yeah, but we're doing a long episode here. Can I just touch on one one more thing before we get into verdict because it's, yes, it's I've interesting. Got, i got one other thing as well. Oh, you go first. Sorry. All right. Um, mine's quite quick. Okay. I really like the fashion. Me too. I want an Apollo 11 sweater. That would be beautiful. The kids' fashion was great. Yeah. Jack, I noticed, was wearing a similar jacket They're to what I They're basically dressed bought. in that Corridor brand. Yeah. From down the street. Yeah. 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 And her, her fits are the best though. She's got some – Yeah. These sweaters, There's always great colors. Knits and big colors. Colors have been removed from culture at the moment. 
And we need to bring colours back. I'm pro colour. I'm pro colour. She, um, yeah, the fashion is amazing. Um, yeah. Now, now you've got a more substantial point. Well, uh, I'm going to do a shorter but, version of it, but I just thought it was fascinating. I was kind of surprised at the little throwaway line about the Overlook Hotel being built on an ancient Indian burial ground. Mm. When was the Overlook built? Uh, construction started in 1907. It's finished in 1909. The site is supposed to be located on an Indian burial ground and I believe they actually had to repel a few Indian attacks as they were building it. <laughs> I was like, well, how many Stephen King books? He loves a burial ground. Well, here's the thing. Kubrick put that in. That's not in the book. And Pet Cemetery came out three years after The Shining film came out. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. It's interesting because Kubrick put that in and, you know, he's a very detail-oriented person, yes, very not, perfectionist. Yeah. That element and a lot of the imagery in the hotel, we, we were watching Room 237 before as well, which goes into like the more extreme QAnon almost yeah, readings of this yeah, film. Yeah. We won't go into all those. But broadly speaking, there is definitely a layer here of why did he put that in there and why there's so much imagery of um, Native Americans, that kind of thing. And so I'll read a little blurb here that talks about it a little bit, but some say the entire plot is a metaphor for native genocide, citing the waves of blood flowing from the elevators as a pathway to those who lay beneath, which is interesting because the whole the whole ancient Indian burial ground trope was huge in the 80s, probably partially because of this movie, but also because of the book Wounded on Amityville Horror. Oh, yeah. This book Amityville Horror came out in like 77 or something. There were 12 movies made out of that since then, all ancient Indian burial ground stuff, which was not true, even though that's supposed to be based on a true story that was not an ancient Indian burial ground. Yeah. Um, Pet Cemetery came three years later in 83. Um, there was another film called Scalps. There's, I think there's like 10 or 15 80s movies where there's ancient Indian burial ground thing. And what I think is interesting oh, I was is- I of Battle of Wounded Knee. Have you, uh, you heard of that? No. I think it was one of the biggest massacres in the- Right. This is one of the theories that I buy into more than some of those other crackpot ones because this is unrelated but thematically related. The Onion did a video back in 2011 (laughs) report, economy failing because the US is built on an ancient Indian burial ground, (laughs) which is very astute but also like if you think of it like that. That's good. You can kind of see that in this movie. That's good. That is fucking good, man. That is good. And um, uh, this article I was reading by a um, Native American writer, Terry Jean, and she broke down a bunch of theories why the Indian burial ground um, trope became so prominent. She's got five theories. The first is basically that it worked on one film, so let's do it more often. Second is, um, you know, just the mystery of anywhere could be an ancient Indian burial ground versus, you know, a very clearly marked Mm. white person cemetery. Um, could also, be on one right now. Yeah, it could be. Um, you know, more racist colonial visions of a native villain uh, is in there too. Um, people are afraid of what they don't know. That's number four. But the one that I think is most interesting and in line with what I'm kind of building up to there is the fifth one. She says, guilt, specifically settler guilt. There is a fear that native people killed by European settlers might come back for revenge on their murderous descendants. So... A, I think that's maybe an interesting reason for that trope in the 80s because another article I was reading by another Native American writer said, the idea that one could disrespect American Indians, that theirs was a history on which we had trampled, was embarrassingly but truthfully sort of a new 
uh, sort of new to much of the American public in the 1970s. And what could be scarier than having your worst mistakes come back to haunt you? So I feel like that's a seed that he was yeah. definitely planting in there. If that wasn't in the book, he put it in there for a reason. Yeah. It's a, it doesn't even need to be said if it wasn't there for a reason because it's not. It's just kind of mentioned briefly. Yeah. So I think that's that's an interesting little um, extra injection of 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 stuff there that that I, I like. You know. I, and I think all fan theories are valid. Don't get me wrong, but that one, uh, that one speaks to me a bit more. Yeah, I think. Yeah, add, added a lot for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the other ones, and it's we won't go into them now. Time constraints. Yeah, and there's a whole fleshed out documentary on it. Yeah, um, that covers them all. Room two, three, seven. Yeah, goes through them all. Yeah, yeah. And I reckon there's probably bits you could argue. There's some truth to all of them, I think. Yeah, but oh, well, they're definitely they're pointing out things that are there. Whether those things are intended or not is questionable. Whether it matters if they're intended or not is another big question. Mm. Anyway, should we get into the verdict? Let's get into the verdict. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Good movie, this one. All right, let's get into our things. Does the plot or any other core component fundamentally break through a current day lens? I don't think so. Oh, mobiles. Yeah, Not I guess the mobile that's factor. that breaks Kinda everything. Breaks everything. Uh, there's probably no reception there. That'll be easy fixed. Pages. Yeah, I mean, there's no overt faxes. Faxes. There's nothing that is fundamentally. You know, there's no drones. Drones. Yeah, I guess you do drone shots now. I guess instead of helicopter shots. Um, FX test. I mean, it's beautiful. Definitely, it's it's stunning. And and speaking of drones, those opening sweeping spot shots. They didn't have drones when they did. No, that's 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 got a helicopter. That's someone on a camera. And how about the hedge maze when when Jack Nicholson is looking at the hedge maze on the table? And he sees Shelly and Jackie. Yeah, there. it's really cool. That's cool. Yeah, big, even, big tick. That was fucking great. And it's just less is more style, which yeah. we love here on the Double Impact podcast. Um, representation, Bechdel test, no. But I would say, I mean, it's about three people living in an empty hotel. So it's, what can you yeah. do? Um, race, Bechdel, no. But we do have a great non-white character in there. Um so again, that's not me, white mansplaining why it's okay that there's not more, but it's you know it's not nothing. Mm, out of the six people in the movie, yeah, that's something. Um, and actually, on that note, my mother, friend of the show, sent me an interesting Instagram account called the Beige Test, which shows how, how beige a movie is. So it's oh, kind of wow. an interesting, yeah, an interesting way to think about that. Um, cultural relevance, man, through the roof. Did Simpsons do it? Fuck yeah, they did. Many, couple, many times. Many times. Uh, ongoing. Hey, I found a shortcut through hedge maze. Get away, you little. No, no, go easy on the wee one. His father's going to go crazy and chop them all into haggis. What's haggis? <gasps> Boy, you read my thoughts. You've got the shining. You mean shining. Shh, you want to get sued? feel like it's one of their faves. Yeah, porn parodies, the true test of cultural relevance. Yes, Yes, and they appear to really lean into the twins angle. Oh. Play, play with us. Oh, uh, adult, adult twins, just to be clear. 
Um, yeah. That was, I realized without context, I may have come across as very weird. And just overall, I mean, we talked about it before. So much of our, our memories of this film were implanted before we even watched it. It's everywhere. Yeah. All these things are everywhere. Um, so, I mean, it's obviously a rewatch. It's a fucking good movie. It's a, it's a shining. What do you want me to say? <laughs> Recasties? I got a couple. Go. Uh, and I realized I thought I came up with this, but then I remembered I did see a deep fake of this a year or so ago. Jim Carrey would be one. Oh. Um, oh. Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, yeah. Would be another. Oh, yeah. I think he could do more every man going crazy versus yeah. starting crazy and trying to keep it under wraps. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I wanted to come up with another Shelley, but I couldn't think of anyone. I had Shia LaBeouf as an yeah, option, fuck, but I like good. I like Donnie Darko better. Yeah, Shia. Out of all the Shias we've put in, yeah, <laughs> this is one. This, this is one. I felt that, bad using him because you know Tom Holland. Yeah, um, but I feel like he would be good. <laughs> Do you know I had one, but he's deceased. Heath Ledger. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. playing alongside his wife Michelle Williams. Oh, that works. Yep. Yes. Or, or partner. Or, do they and know? regardless of of. Casting of Jack, she, yeah, she's kind of she's that sweet spot. She'd be good in that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's good. Astute, astute. Or Donald Glover would be a good one. Oh yeah, he'd be good. Do his little dance. You know, in This Is America, how he pulls yeah. a crazy face. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, oh yeah, he does that. Yeah, dance on the top of the car and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, Like, I think that was my that was the motivation. <sighs> the Shining, the musical. Oh. Music by Childish Gambino. I'm going to bash your head in. <laughs> He'd probably do it better than that. He would do it a little better. He's just got a bit more to offer. Yeah, he does. He's got. You know what? I don't know if he's people have, have observed this. Donald Glover, he's got some things to offer. He's talented in a few areas. <laughs> in a few areas. Oh, yeah, I'm expecting he's going to be pretty well known soon. Um, perhaps a multi-hyphenate in the making. Slash, 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 slashy. Yeah, slashy. Do you have an MVP? Oh, man, it was a tough one. It is a tough one. You know what? I'm probably for, – for this rewatch, it probably was Shelley for me just in terms of – most improved. MV, yeah, yeah, most improved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, uh, we should do that. That's a good, good sub Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I agree. Same with the kid. I think – I mean, Jack Nicholson is great in this. Oh, there's, it's just a movie full of MVPs, man. My low-key was um, the – Oh God! I've just man bear pig. Um, someone when I posted that we were watching it, a uh, friend of the show messaged. Friend of the show, Jack Gibbs, was like, "The scariest part of that movie is man bear pig," and I knew exactly what he meant. Where it was like a guy in a mask giving fellatio. Oh, or something. what the yeah. hell was that? That's so scary. That's like that is that is genuinely like creepy, what was terrifying. That? And it's the way it zooms in and they're just like looking. That's fucked. That's what like, was that? Ugh, gives me the heebie-jeebies. Why? Great. I can't believe we didn't discuss that. Yeah. Why was there a random guy? That's so weird. Yeah. It's fucked. <laughs> but what does it mean? I don't know. What does any of it mean? Well, because it, it's- Ancient Indian burial ground, Greg. But that's a dreamscape, <laughs> right? I guess. Well, she's seen it. I don't know. It's all fucked up. That image is a- that, Anyway. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Very unsettling. Yeah. The way they- uh, Anyway. Well, anyway, you heard it here first, guys. The Shining, very good film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hot take, people. And, you know, it's it's intimidating to talk about films like this because everyone yeah. knows – a lot of our friends of the show would know more about this film than I do at least. For sure. But you know what I think is also a sign, a signal that this is just a fucking good film is that sometimes, you know, we, we make notes while we're watching the film 
sometimes I look back at those notes and they're completely useless. Other times I look back and there's lots to unpack. And this one, just watching it without doing any research, there's so much to talk about. Mm. I think other movies, they can be great and we joke about this all the time that sometimes we watch a great movie and the only things we have to talk about is like, wasn't this part great and wasn't that great? Whereas here there's just so much to to play with. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go to dinner now. Yeah, we've got to go to dinner now. Because we're hey, in New York. Leave a review. Yeah, leave a review, you nice people. And we, we're, yeah, we love you. Leave a review. I don't need to send you a file now or anything. No, you don't. It's yeah. all in the machine right here. <laughs> wait, wait. I'm so- it's very astute on yeah, your thank you. Yeah. Keep going. He's about the button. <laughs> wow. Tofty. <laughs> Just the buttons again. Yeah. Okay, bye. Uh, uh, <laughs> do I press this? Yeah. One day I walked on the set and I said to Stanley, I said, Stanley says, uh, would you mind if I wrote a tune about you? And he is somewhat little shy. He says, no, Scott, I'd be delighted. I said, thank you because I've already written it. <laughs> and he kind of laughs. He says, yeah, I'm going to show you how concerned he is. He says, uh, what's the title of the tune that you written for me? I said, well, the title of the tune is Stanley. And in parentheses, does it all. He says, uh, could I hear a few bars of it? I said, sure. So I took him over to this table where Jack was doing all this typing. So I said, now here's where it goes. I said, I'll sing you a few bars of it. Doom, shooting the doom, shooting doom, shooting the doom. There's a man, doom, doom, shooting the doom, shooting. Living in London town, shooting the doom, shooting the doom, shooting the doom. Makes movies, shooting the doom. Shubing the boom, he's worried now. Shubing the boom, shubing the boom, shubing the boom. Yes, he's really got the fame. Stanley Kubrick is his name. He does it all. Shubing the boom, shubing the boom, shubing the boom. He does it all. Shubing the boom, shubing the boom, shubing the boom. I'm telling y'all. Shubing the boom, shubing the boom, shubing. Stanley does it all. Shubing the boom, shubing the boom. He's a writer. He directs. He produces his projects. He's the man behind the lens. And Stanley always wins. He's the man who looks ahead, can make you think he raised the dead. Edison cuts all his flicks. He's a genius with his tricks. He does it all. Shoom ding doom. Shoom ding doom. Shoom ding doom. He does it all. Shoom ding doom. Man, he flipped. No, I did too. <laughs> and his daughter, his daughter Vivian, she was doing the documentary film. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, document- behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Yeah. So she said, now, Scott, man, when you finish your movie, says, now, when I interview you, you will have to do the tune that you have written for my father. So the tune is in the documentary film. If she ever releases it, she's bad as her father. I don't know when she's going to release it. <laughs>